0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: BYU gets a quarterback commit, Enoch Watson. What does he offer to the BYU football program? And also, Colorado getting impatient with the Pac-12? Say it ain't so. Let's talk about it. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today, and thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're very proud to be the original daily podcast focused on all things BYU. So thanks again for checking out the show. Let's dive right in and waste no time on today's podcast. Big news coming out late Sunday night, literally just a little bit after I had finished recording my Monday edition of the podcast. But Enoch Watson, a quarterback from a Ala Queen Creek down in Arizona, formerly of Coconino High School in the Flagstaff era, announced he has committed to BYU. Now, this is a pretty sizable get for BYU, despite Enoch Watson having a relatively light uh, recruiting profile. Uh, many of you might be hearing his name for the very first time or saw it pop up on social media for the first time. But do not be surprised by BYU accepting this commitment because this is a kid they believe, has got all the talent in the world to become a high-level quarterback for BYU. The biggest thing, the reason why his uh, recruiting profile has not risen to the level that you would expect it to is uh, until this year, he's transferring to American Leadership Academy, Queen Creek in Arizona, which is the head coach there is Ty Detmer, the offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach is Max Hall. That is where uh, you're going to see Enoch Watson playing this fall. Before this, though, he's been playing at Coconino High School, which runs a wing-T run-dominant offense. It does not throw the football hardly at all. Wing T offenses—if any of you know what a wing T is—it's all about controlling the ball, running the ball, and that's it just really is not allowed. A guy like Enoch Watson to really show what he's capable of, of as a quarterback. But do not let that uh, let you think that BYU is up in the night and accepting this commitment. They have seen Enoch Watson show up at their camps over the past couple of years, even showed up at the most recent one, and really has shown out nicely. He's got a nice arm, an ability to make throws all over the field. I think that he is a guy that BYU very much values as a guy that they think is a quote-unquote diamond in the rough. Yes, he has not played in the most polished offense. Is he the most polished quarterback out there? No, but they are gambling on his upside, and Aaron Roderick and Fessy Satake as well as the rest of the brain trust inside the BYU football program, in my mind, they have gotten all of the credibility they need. If they believe this guy has the goods, I'm going to trust them. On that uh, assessment, they also are going to have an opportunity with a guy like this to still take another quarterback in this upcoming recruiting class. Enoch is the younger brother of former BYU signee Pearson Watson, a linebacker prospect who came out of Flagstaff Coconino High School. Uh, He is serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints right now. And it appears, uh, based on everything that I have heard, that Enoch Watson is expected to take a mission, or not, man, I just screwed up, not take a mission, go on a mission. Man, I fell into one of the old tropes that people don't, that are not familiar familiar with missions use all the time i apologize for that but Nonetheless, uh, it is going to allow him to go out and serve the mission uh, if he plans to after high school graduation and then return in time essentially to be a part of the 2026 recruiting class. So this is not the guy who is taking up a spot in the 2024 class that you may be hoping is Maya Luiyaki smith or EJ Kamenong who might be coming on an official visit for BYU soon or any one of the other quarterbacks BYU is recruiting in this recruiting class. Enoch Watson will sign as part of the 2024 class, but in terms of BYU's eyes as it stands right now, they expect him to be a member of the 2026 freshman class coming in, and that should uh, kind of lay out how things are going to go in their mind with regards to the quarterback derby that they're going to have going on. The nice part is this continues to kind of set up BYU's near- and long-term future at quarterback. Think about it. This year, it's Keaton Slovis. Jake Retzloff is expected to be the backup quarterback. Now, uh, going into 2024, it's Jake Retzloff probably competing with a guy like Cade Fennigan and or, let's say, Maya, Maya Luyaki Smith or any one of the other 2024 quarterbacks who would enroll right away competing for playing time next year. Whoever wins that probably is going to start for however long they have their eligibility for. In the case of a guy like Jake Retzloff, he would have two years of eligibility. In the case of a guy like Cade Fenegan, he'd have two years as well. Or if a guy like Maya Luiaki-Smith were to come in and start right away, he could roll for four years. But also Ryder Burton would be in the mix there. And then if it plays out the way I think it's going to play out, I think be BYU you would prefer to have it go this way. You would have a guy like Keaton Slovis go out and have a big year this year. Jake Retzloff bides his time gets two years to really shine in BYU's offense in 24 and 25. Ryder Burton then ends up being the quarterback in 26 and 27. While you get a guy like Enoch Watson, up to speed, and then he takes over after that. You could be looking at all the quarterbacks, barring guys deciding to bolt for the transfer portal, and injuries are always a part of the calculus and all this. But if everything goes according to the way that BYU projects it to go at quarterback, you're potentially looking at the quarterbacks who could end up as your starting quarterbacks for the better part of the next decade for BYU. Think about that. It's how far out this possibly can go. Obviously BYU really, really values a guy like Maya Aloyaki Smith. There's a reason why he was here on an official visit for BYU. It's my belief that he is option number one, like one, two, three on. The, he is the guy that BYU wants to land in this class. Will they ultimately land him? We're only, we're all about to find out because he is expected to make a decision before his upcoming senior season out there in California. Uh, obviously his official visit to BYU, uh, by the word I got from one person inside the BYU football program they said it went as, about as well as they possibly could have hoped for so take that for what it's worth but the nice part is BYU is absolutely high on a guy like Maia Luiaki Smith but it would not dissuade them from taking a guy like Smith because of Enoch Watson's commitment but do not just think that Enoch Watson is kind of a, a throw in right now BYU's coaches really think that he's got the capability of being a fantastic quarterback he's got the all the ability to throw the ball all over the field and the nice part is This year in high school, playing down there at ALA Queen Queen Creek, excuse me, for a guy like Ty Detmer and more importantly, a guy like Max Hall. They are both BYU quarterbacks who love nothing more than airing it out. He is going to get all the opportunity this fall to really show what he's capable of playing for those two former BYU quarterbacks in an offense that is going to feature his skill set more highly. He's also an underrated athlete. He's got all the ability to uh, tuck it and run. He played in that wing tee offense. You don't play quarterback in that offense without being able to really run the football. He's got good size to him. I, I listed it 6'2 or 6'3, depending on which recruiting service you look at. I really really like this pickup of Viennick Watson. I, I Like I said, I think it really sets up the future for BYU, essentially the present and the and the future for BYU at quarterback moving forward, but do not expect uh, Aaron Roderick and the rest of the BYU coaching staff to rest on their laurels. They're obviously going to put the uh, hammer down to hopefully land a guy like Maya Luiaki-Smith, and let's say they uh, don't ultimately win out in that. Obviously, EJ Kamenong, who's currently committed to Washington has said he's going to make an official visit to BYU. BYU is very high on him as well out there uh, when it comes to their quarterback evaluations. And I just think that BYU is going to continue to absolutely comb every option, or comb through every option that they have when it comes to filling out their depth chart. And this goes for every position. This is not just the quarterback position, but the quarterback position, you all know this, it is the one that gets the most scrutiny, the most praise, and also the most blame for whatever's going on inside a football program outside of maybe the head coach. And even then, the quarterback may take more of the blame than anybody else. But these are young men who are absolutely. Absolutely been, have been trained their entire lives to play this position. The other thing about this is Enoch Watson has got all kinds of connections to the BYU football program. I already mentioned his older brother, Pearson Watson. He's actually a nephew of the Wagner brothers. You remember Aaron and Jadon Wagner who are linebackers for BYU back in the day, uh, uh, Pearson and Enoch are their nephews. So they have got the Wagner family line uh, running through their bloodlines, and that's not a bad bloodline to have in there. One thing I loved about Aaron and Jaden Wagner is they were dudes who just played with like their his hair was on fire. It was so much fun to watch those two. They were coming out of Canada up there in the uh, in the uh, Alberta area. But they were fantastic players. And you can guarantee if Enoch Watson's anything like his uncles, uh, he'll be able to bring some of that fire back to the BYU football program. So I really, really do like the pickup. And I think, like I said, it sets up nicely for BYU's future at quarterback, but it does not stop them from going out and getting the near term uh, future for them settled. Whether, like I said, that's Maya Luyaki Smith, EJ Kamenong, or any one of the other quarterbacks. We've talked about a bevy of them uh, here in the past few weeks of the offers that have gone out from BYU. but to me, everything to me thinks that BYU is all in. Until Maya Luiaki-Smith tells BYU that he's not coming to Provo, he is option number one far and away for BYU. And then from there, they'll kind of look at other options if he decides to uh, commit elsewhere. But uh, I think things are looking up for BYU. And the nice part is they've got all kinds of credibility to walk into any one of these kids' living room or have them on a visit to BYU and say, hey, this is what we've got going for us. We had the number two overall pick in Zach Wilson playing for us. We just had Jaron Hall, who's a fifth-round pick, who may end up being a potential starter for the Minnesota Vikings in a year's time playing for us. Guy like right over there, you're probably looking at Keaton Slovis. We think he's an NFL guy next year. You can be the next in a long line, a good line of BYU quarterbacks who have restored great glory to the BYU football program. Why not come and play for us? Because the best part is in addition to that, you can play against the big boys. You can compete at the highest level. You are a Power 5 quarterback. It's no longer that BYU says that we're trying to play a Power 5 schedule. No, they are legit. They are a Power 5 program. They're one of 69 teams out there in the country that can say that they have that designation. and That's that's not insignificant when it comes to the recruiting side of things for BYU. and They're absolutely using it to the, to the best of their ability. We'll continue to break down some of these recruiting battles that are ongoing. Uh, I saw that uh, a running back out of uh, Texas listed BYU as one of his top five. Uh, I'm going to do some more digging on him and try Try and find out more about him. I know he's an offer from BYU a while back, but need to look at his film, and we'll talk about that on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. But coming up next, we're going to flip over and talk a little bit more about what's going on with Big 12 realignment. Uh, according to ESPN, apparently Colorado is just a little bit uh, frustrated with what's going on inside the Pac-12, if you believe the reports. We'll talk about all that as we continue on right here on Locked on Cougars. Now, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. They've been working with us for the past few months, and the best part is if you want to uh, get in on the NBA playoff action or any other other sports out there, you've got the option to do so with our friends at FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet of up to $2,500. You heard that right, $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. The best part is FanDuel offers great promotions every single day, and they're unique uh, seemingly every day as well. They offer a safe and secure app to protect your privacy and your information. But the best part is, in my opinion, you can get paid out instantly. You don't have to hit a reserve amount of money to get paid out. They'll pay you whatever your winnings are. So there's no better place to bet on all of the playoff action in basketball, baseball, any other sport that you're interested in than with America's number one sports book in FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today and get a no sweat first bet of up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on today. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. And thank you for being every day with us here on the podcast. As I mentioned on tomorrow, I've got a couple of recruiting updates. I'm going to watch some more film and get to those to you guys on tomorrow's show. But also, uh, stay tuned tomorrow. We're going to continue to break down what's going on in Phil Steele's world when it comes to projecting for BYU ahead to their Big 12 era. Uh, a couple of notes, and I mentioned to get those on today's podcast, but when Enoch Watson announces a commitment, uh, that gets pushed off. And we'll talk about that hopefully tomorrow. But, hey, Things change. You know what? We just kind of roll with the punches, and that's what we will do. But uh, some interesting news coming out of the world of the Pac-12 and their realignment. Now, Pete Thamel is one of the foremost uh, minds when it comes and intel uh, gatherers when it comes to college football insider uh, status. Uh, He has read a lot and obviously has been reaching out to people and talking with people about what's going on inside the Pac-12, the realignment situation. He wrote a great piece, and he talked about what Colorado ultimately might do in this conference realignment uh, situation. Situation. He says, here's the bottom line. It has met with the Big 12, speaking of the Colorado Buffaloes. It has been in the Big 12 in a prior life, leaving after the 2010-2011 season. It Remains improbable that the Buffaloes would leave for the Big 12 until the Pac-12 presidents get a firm sense of what their next television deal is going to look like. And Colorado Chancellor Phil DiStefano, DeS- Phil DeS- Phil excuse me if I get that out of my mouth, has said as much. Then he adds this kicker. However, sources told ESPN that uh, Colorado's patience has waned, which prompted the in-person meeting with the Big 12 back in May. So Colorado is getting frustrated with just the the overall drag feet nature of these Pac-12 media rights deals, and I wholeheartedly understand why they would be thinking that. Like, my goodness, can we not get a deal put together? Now, could the Pac-12 be holding out to get more money? Easily. That absolutely could be the situation. But if Colorado truly is as impatient as they appear to be in this article, you could see them make a jump. He does add this, that the Pac-12 schools are are preparing to make decisions once the league delivers details, on the TV contract. Uh, he, said that he has a quote from Robert C. Robbins, who is the Arizona president. He said, I think it's going to be quick. I really do. Okay, we'll find out. But then it adds this part of it. Who else could end up jumping to the Big 12? It says the prospect of Colorado leaving for the Big 12 is real enough that schools are already jockeying to see who could join them. It has instructed the Big 12 commissioner, Brett Yormark, denied meeting with Memphis about joining the conference, but hasn't denied contact with Colorado and UConn. Take that for what it's worth, my friends. Colorado and UConn could be very much on the table. It says, for now, Memphis' interest remains strongest on Memphis' side as they are just part of the Big 12's whiteboard of potential additions. Sources say the Big 12 has held an in-person visit with school officials at Colorado at a neutral site. They've also had an on-campus visit to Connecticut. That UConn meeting has some predicting if Colorado does jump to the Big 12, UConn is a top choice if none of the other four-corner schools, speaking of Arizona, Arizona State, and obviously the University of Utah, join the Buffalo close. That is where UConn is kind of laying where they expect to potentially jump up to the Big 12. Now, it's very clear, according to this article as well, that if Colorado were the lone school to leave the Pac-12 to jump to the Big 12, uh, immediately the Pac-12 would just turn and add San Diego State to the mix. That would not be all that surprising. It would actually be the smart play for the Pac-12 to bolster themselves. But the other thing about this, folks, is we continue to see more and more smoke. And no matter what any of these reporters, fans of a certain university, Inside the Pac-12 may say, there are contingencies contingency plans being put together by these big 12 chancellors and university presidents. They cannot afford not to do that. The athletic directors are also in the mix on that, but it still looks like the PAC 12 has every intention of sticking together, but Colorado and I, I completely get why they do it. If their patience truly is being tested this much, why wouldn't they be looking at all options? It may also be just an ultimate play for them to gain some leverage inside the PAC 12, but nonetheless, it is absolutely a viable Concern right now for the Pac 12 that Colorado could jump. And the question will be okay, let's say Colorado does jump. Let's say they say, you know what, we throw our hands up, we're done, we're out of here. They jump to the Pac 12. Does Arizona say, you know what, we want to be there too? And does Arizona jump? Now, Robert C. Robbins said that he and the Arizona State President Michael Crow are very close and he doesn't think that one would do anything without the other, but he says we have the ability to make a move in our best interest by ourselves if need be. But I really do think Colorado could be the linchpin to all of this, whether it, it it unravels the Pac-12 or if it bolsters the Pac-12 by signing the grant of rights and signing a new media deal, whatever the numbers are that ultimately come out. The simple fact of the matter is, I totally get why Colorado has got to be as frustrated as they are. They just want to know what's going on. And it just feels like everything we continue to hear about the Pac-12, well, it's coming in a couple of weeks. No, we expect it to come in the near-term future. I, I think, who who tweeted out twelve. There has been 12 different predictions by different people inside the Pac-12 conference about when the media writes deals and uh, numbers are supposed to come, and none of them, none of them have come to the forefront. Kirk Schultz is the most recent one. He is the chancellor or the university president up at Washington State. State, he said this past week that he expects the numbers to come in, the deal to come in by the end of the month. Are we going to hold him to that? Well, we haven't held anybody else to their predictions on what these Pac-12 media rights deals mean, but if you're Colorado, I absolutely get your frustration. You just want nothing more than to have everything settled. And the longer this drags on with the Pac-12, there's got to be part of you thinking, you know what? There's stability over there with the Big 12. It is something that we could latch ourselves onto. We were founding members of that conference way back in the 1940s. We rode with the Big Seven, the Big Eight, the Big 12, all the way through the 2010s. More than 60 or maybe even 70 years of conference membership in that conference. We spent a good decade plus in the Pac 12. Did it go the way we wanted it to? No, because football has struggled mightily. And obviously, Deion Sanders is trying to get them back to glory in very quick order. Basketball had its ups and downs. But they've got to be thinking you know what? There is stability in the fact that the Pac, uh, excuse me, the Big 12, has kind of locked in what it is doing. Why wouldn't we consider that option? They're old conference mates of ours. They're people that we are familiar with, at least uh, to a, to a nominal level. Cause obviously leadership changes in a decade plus away from the conference would have changed out uh, commissioners, ADs, presidents, all that type of stuff. But there is still familiarity with the Colorado Buffaloes and the vast majority of what we call the OG eight in the big 12 conference. They're going to remain in that conference. So, I totally get this reporting. It falls really in line with how I feel on it. I do not proclaim to have any inside knowledge on conference realignment. I'm just like many of you. I'm trying to read between the tea leaves. Every little nugget I seem to get is already stuff that is very easy to get and, and kind of pick up on. But the more I read about these stories, the more that sources speak out and talk to these insiders out there, whether it's Brett McMurphy, in this case, Pete Thamel, whether it's a, a guy like uh, what's John, is John Williams, the guy that is doing the media thing out there, John Canzano, John Wilner, Barry Trammell, all of them. They're talking to people, and people are willing to talk. And the more people are willing to talk, that screams to me that where there's smoke, the quote-unquote smoke, there is fire there. And it sounds like Colorado is just getting more and more frustrated. It's one of those things. It's just, you continue to be promised one thing and say, "Oh, it's coming soon. It's coming. And the, you're like, okay, well, when is it actually coming? And they're like, well, we're, get, we're getting there. Eventually, you just throw your hands up and say, you know what? Screw it. I, I'm moving on. So I totally get where Colorado is coming from on this, and we'll see where it ultimately pans out for them. But I, I just look at the situation at hand, and I ultimately think that the my, my my gut reaction is that the Pac-12 will stick together at least through the end of the decade. They will have a media rights deal. I expect it will have a grant of rights through 2030. But, like I said, the longer this drags on, the possibility remains that Colorado ultimately says, you know what, we're pulling the trigger on this, we're moving forward. The other date to keep in mind, and I've said this multiple times on this podcast, June 30th, the end of this month, if San Diego State's going to make a move, their media rights uh, situation with the Mountain West, they could have to pay maybe double or triple what they owe right now, which is roughly $17 million to get out of the Mountain West Conference. If they get if they go past June 30, $34 50-plus million to leave the Mountain West Conference and jump to the Pac-12? At that point, is it really feasible that San Diego State even makes that jump? Who knows? But it feels like June 30th is a date of really some consequence here, and we're all about to find out, but it's really interesting to continue to hear these stories kind of rolling through uh, the, the, kind of the, the rumor mill, I guess, in the news cycle, seemingly every other day, if not every single day. Crazy, crazy stuff. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll continue to break down some other things going on in BYU sports, some corrections and retractions, thanks to you, our listeners, out there, as well as some questions to be answered, and also another look back at another game in BYU uh, just awful, Awful 2017 season. We're talking about BYU and Fresno State, a road trip out to Fresno, how things went for the Cougars in that one. That's all coming up next right here on Locked on Cougars.
0: It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one-selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors.
1: Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine. If you have not done so, please subscribe to the show whether you're watching this on YouTube or listening to it on the various major podcast platforms out there. Subscribe to the show. Please leave us a rating and review. Enable notifications if it allows you to do that, Like most notably on YouTube. When a new episode drops, you hit that bell icon I'm pointing down right here. You put that bell icon. As soon as an episode drops, it'll let you know that it's available. You can go and listen to it and be among the first to get to tune in. By the way, one of my favorite things, it doesn't happen every Day, but the people who listen to this thing right after it posts at midnight mountain time, I love the people who say first when they comment on YouTube. So I appreciate all of your interaction. I truthfully do. You guys make this thing go round. All right. So some corrections and retractions before we move on here. Uh, first one uh, comes uh, via our good friend Bill Hecker. and Bill's been a long-time listener. And uh, Bill, I, I truly do appreciate you uh, helping me out. He says, Jake, thanks again for your, all your efforts. I love listening to your show. Two corrections of statements you made today, and then a question for the mailbag. So we'll get to the mailbag here in a minute. But he says, number one, he said it had been several years since the BYU had had a national champion in track and field. Now, I did misspeak on this. It had been four years, if I, if I, as I went back and read it, four years for the men's team to have had an individual national champion. Courtney Wayman actually won an individual championship for the women's team just this past season, so a year ago. So I apologize for misspeaking on that. So you, thank you for correcting me on that. You also said this. This is Bill saying. You also said the women finished 14th with 17 points. They actually finished 17th with 14 points. So apologies for my dyslexia on that, but thank you, Bill, uh, for that question. Now, your question real quick, let's answer this. I think I've talked about this enough, but uh, it's a great question all the same because I don't think it can be answered honestly enough to let everybody know what's going on. It says, With the broadcast rights of all BYU sports now lying with ESPN and the Big 12, will we still get to see as many softball, baseball, volleyball, soccer, gymnastics, etc. cetera, games or matches as we did when BYU TV did all of these questions? All right, so to answer your question, Bill, I would assume you'll still be able to see as many of them as B, as the Big 12 can muster because they want to put them on ESPN+. It's called Big 12 Now on ESPN+. It's going to be a streaming platform. So if you have not gotten access to ESPN+, let me reiterate for like the umpteenth time. Get with it, folks. It is the future, the past, the present for BYU sports. If you want to watch, as Bill talks about, softball, baseball, ESPN Plus is going to be your best friend. BYU's second game of the football season against Southern Utah is broadcasting exclusively on ESPN Plus. So I, I know that streaming is something that some people struggle with. If I if you want me to help you guys give you a tutorial on how to do it, I'm happy to do my best to help you out on that front. But Big 12 now on ESPN Plus is absolutely going to have to be a part of your routine. You have to pay the 5 bucks potentially. It's actually more than that now. I think it's like 7 or 8 bucks. I would just encourage you to get the bundle. If you like Disney movies, Disney products, uh, just get the Disney Plus bundle. It gives you Hulu, uh, TV, ESPN Plus, as well as Disney Plus all in one package. I think it's like 15 bucks a month. It's maybe, in my mind, the best streaming bundle out there. I know that there's so many of them, but that one, for my money, is absolutely worth it. But it's something you absolutely need to get on if you're going to be a BYU fan who plans to watch uh, BYU sports moving forward here. Alright, uh, one other question here here if I can find it. Uh, I lost it. So... I will find it. We'll talk about it on tomorrow's show. So apologies. I, I had it pulled up, but then I had to flip over to Bill's uh, question, so I apologize. I lost it, and I'm not going to shuffle around for it. But uh, we do need, before we go on today's show, to talk about another game in BYU football history, and that is looking back at BYU and Fresno State in 2017. Now, we talked yesterday about BYU getting their feel-good win of the season, maybe the biggest win of the season, as they beat uh, San Jose State by 21 points. 41-20 to at home. Snap a seven-game losing streak. Feeling pretty good about yourself. Off. But then the following week, BYU made a road trip out to Fresno State. And Fresno was a decent team. They were 6-2 coming into this game. They already achieved bowl eligibility. BYU scuffling along at 2-7. You're thinking, okay, what are they going to really be able to muster in this game? Well, BYU battled. And I'll give them that. They uh, Fresno raced out to a 10-0 lead at the end of the first quarter. But BYU made them sweat. BYU uh, actually scored six points in the second quarter as well as a, a touchdown in the third quarter to get to their ultimate uh, tally of 13 points, but 10 points in the second half for Fresno State saw them prevail uh, with a 20-13 to 13 victory. It obviously sent BYU to 2-8 on the season, but that did not mean that BYU necessarily played as bad as they had earlier on in the year. Yes, it was a tough loss, but Tanner Mangum ended up uh, completing one hundred and sixty, uh, completing 20 of 33 passes for 163 yards. Bo Hodge replaced him in this game, was 3 of 10 for 51 yards, so BYU didn't have necessarily the worst passing day. Squally Canada had a solid rushing performance, 12 carries and 84 yards. Uh, playing pretty close to home from him being a kid uh, from the Bay Area. I know that Fresno's down in the Central Valley, but uh, fairly close to his hometown up there in the Bay Area. And Matt Bushman, by the way, Nine receptions and 97 yards, but all of it for naught as BYU loses this game. Uh, Jordan Mims ran for two touchdowns. Marcus McMarion passed for 174 yards. And Fresno State eased their way. Uh, they were excuse me. They were 5-3 and three coming into the game. They got to 6-3 and three and achieved bowl eligibility with the win. But BYU's season of just uh, struggles continued as they take the loss here. But the biggest thing for BYU coming out of this game would be that, okay, the schedule is lightened up a little bit. Can BYU put together some momentum down the stretch here? and pick up a couple of wins. They ultimately uh, would find that, and the other thing about this was, I forgot to mention this right off the top, and I should have done that. I had it in my notes here. Tanner Mingham was carted off in this game if you you recall he had a non-contact injury late in the first half uh, carted off and then Bo Hodge came in and struggled uh, completion percentage wise and that really kind of doomed BYU's chances in this one not to have your starting quarterback Uh, but then we would play what we call a quarterback roulette the rest of the season for BYU Bo Hodge uh, just the quarterbacks that would roll through in the final three games that we're going to talk about throughout the rest of the week just a crazy crazy mix of different quarterbacks but we'll talk about them as they get a little bit closer, but coming up on tomorrow's show, we talk about a game that was absolutely phenomenal for one reason, because it was an absolutely monster rushing performance for a guy who I think gets not enough love for what he contributed to the BYU football program amidst this season, and I think it gets lost just simply due to the fact of the down nature of 2017, but we'll talk about that. On tomorrow's show, so stay with us. Thank you, thank you once again for being, uh, making us locked at Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Cannot thank you guys enough for your, for your support. Thank you for being every day dayers with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And until tomorrow, my friends, hope you guys are all doing well and have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars Podcast. See ya.